0: Welcome to The Green Rush, a podcast about the intersection of cannabis, the capital markets, and culture. On a weekly basis, hosts And Onaho and Nick Opich of KCSA Strategic Communications speak with the business leaders, financial experts, cultural icons, legislators, and generally interesting people moving the cannabis industry forward. Unfortunately, this week, we do not have a regular episode of The Green Rush, but we do have a great substitute show with one of the latest episodes of Marijuana Today, featuring KCSA's own Lewis Goldberg and Sarita Wright, who are joined by Marijuana Today regulars Mike Lazuski and Matt Walter to dive into the latest goings-on in legal cannabis. You'll be glad you gave this one a listen. Enjoy! <sighs>
1: And welcome to episode 397 of Marijuana Today. It is February 25th, 2022, and I'm this week's host, Lewis Goldberg. It's been quite a while since I was in the host seat for this or any other podcast, and it feels really good to be back. As I was preparing for today's show, I went back and looked at a script from last year's March 26th show, hosted by my friend and yours, the inimitable Chris Crane, and he talked about In his open, New York State and their decision to finally legalize cannabis for adult use. And it got me thinking about where we stand as a region and a nation about the cannabis industry, the business of this place, and the policy of shaping it. And I wish I could say that I was a grinning optimist, but I'm not. What I am is a realist, which I hope is allowing me to see the good, the bad, and the in-between when it comes to the state of the cannabis industry. Now, I've been working in cannabis public relations since 2014, and I've drunk the Kool-Aid on this industry from jump. And yet, today, I'm a bit of a pessimist about where we are, where we are going, and honestly, who is truly benefiting from the cannabis industry as it is currently structured. So, today we'll be discussing a lot of things, starting with not New York, but rather New Jersey, and what the heck is taking my state so long to get its act together, as well as looking at what's happening or, well, not happening in DC. And finally, I wanna know what, what is the state of the medical cannabis space? So these are just some light topics to discuss today, and we'll be discussing all of this and more as we get serious about marijuana business and politics. But of course, I couldn't do it alone, and I'm really sure you're glad that I'm not doing this alone, So I'm joined by some of the smartest people in the industry and the movement. Today, joining me from hedgerow analysis is Matt Walter, as a founder of both mcw strategies and hedgerow matt helps innovators disruptors and investors align their business goals with their government engagement portfolios matt problem solves with innovative companies to optimally bring their products and services through complex local state and federal government regulatory processes he helps startups Create state specific data centered projections for their businesses and market entry map. Oh boy, that's that's a that's a lot. You do a lot, Matt. Just say hello. I, mean, I need to
2: do less. I need <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you know, Matt, we're also joined by Mike Lazuski, principal and founder. He is the founder of Enact Group, which provides lobbying and political and policy advising services to advocacy organizations on drug policy issues and technical writing and regulatory compliance consulting and business entities seeking to earn and retain state licensure. His current and previous clients include some of the best names in the industry, including Forefront Ventures. Pure O&M, the Drug Policy Alliance, the National Cannabis Business Association, Students for Sensible Drug Policy, and MAPS, the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies. Thanks for joining us, Mike. Hey, Lewis. Thanks for having me on. And of course, joining me, my friend and colleague, Sarita Wright, senior account executive at my public relations and investor relations firm, KCSA Strategic Communications. Sarita is an analog girl in a digital world. She's an SAE but way more working with clients across the cannabis and psychedelic space. She's a longtime cannabis enthusiast and award-winning advocate. She's also the co-founder of Estro Haze, a media platform providing cannabis lifestyle content for the canna-curious and seasoned consumer. Hey, Sarita, it's great to be doing this with you.
3: I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having
1: me, Lewis. It is, you know this is cool. Like I'm really excited to podcast. Uh, I am one of the co-founders of the Green Rush um, and you guys can't see this, but this is my logo and it's all wonderful and it's it's exciting. And Shay is a dear friend. And when he asked me to do this, I was like, yeah, like I've taken a backseat from the Green Rush, but podcasting itself is something important to me because it's an opportunity to have an open conversation and dialogue about interesting things with interesting people. And one of the things I want to encourage all of us is be feel free to say, no, you're wrong. And here's why. Right. Um, I think that's really important. Uh, hosts often feel like they want to be agreed with. That is not me. Um, I've got structure to what we're going to discuss, which are questions. Your answers are yours. So just give it, give it, bring it, like, bring it. Um, so let's start with segment one, which I'm calling born to run. Um, in my home state, the Garden State, we are well into the fourth year of Governor Murphy's governorship. And when he was running for his first term, he promised us all that within the first 100 days, he would enact adult use legislation. Well, as I said, we're well into the fourth year. And last year, almost exactly a year ago, governor, the governor's office released the following piece of news. On February 22nd, 2021, Governor Murphy today signed historic adult-use cannabis reform bills into law, legalizing and regulating the cannabis use and possession for adults 21 and older. The law titled the New Jersey Cannabis Regulatory Enforcement Assistance and Marketplace Modernization Act. When are Democrats going to learn to title laws better, by the way? Decriminalizing marijuana and has possession. Um, and clarifying marijuana, cannabis use, and possession penalties for individuals younger than 21. That was a year ago. This week, NJ101.5 FM announced today, or put out a piece of of news saying, one year ago Tuesday, Governor Murphy signed the law legalizing adult use of recreational marijuana in New Jersey, but you can't run to a state-licensed dispensary to celebrate yet. Sales haven't begun, though they could be getting close. Applications for new recreational retailers will begin to be accepted, begin to be accepted next month, meaning March. So I know how messed up New Jersey is. I grew up here. I've worked in politics here. But, like, we're looking at five or six years after the governor was elected to first sales. What the hell is happening here? Why is New Jersey so screwed up? And does this, what does it mean for other states? Uh, Matt, you can go.
2: Lewis, it's great to be with you. And as a um, a former neighbor to your north, a a New York uh, native originally, um, unfortunately, we do see our states uh, sort of battling it out for 49 and 50 in so many categories, Um, you know, too many taxes, taxes. Uh, insurance rates and all those other things. So, um, we can commiserate a little bit because, you know, the, the delay on this one was a log jam from Cuomo for a long time up North, um, and then is kind of pecking away. So we'll, we'll see who gets limps across the finish line first on it. Um, But for me, I'll take a a little bit of a different perspective than you do on the industry um, in that these delays, this doesn't really concern me all that much. And I don't think it's an indicator of larger problems sort of within those states individually. This is hard stuff to do. Um, there, there are reasons why this was illegal for such a long period of time. Um, and there's a lot of culture and there's a lot of law and there's a lot of history involved in it. Um, and so, um, uh, trying to regulate these new innovations, whatever they are, um, takes a lot of time and it's a process that sort of needs to be worked through. Now that said, um, none of these are perfect. (laughs) None of these are, you know, none of these regulatory schemas, uh, or the uh, social equity component, which is significant um, in New Jersey, um, and they want to get that right, uh, as they do in a number of other states, you got to iterate through it, and it's going to take some time. And I think one of the things that the industry could be doing now that that might be helpful in that regard, and and one of the things we're trying to work on at Hedro is, okay, what are the impacts of the different regulatory schemes? What are the 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 hoped for outcomes um, from the social equity structures and how do you do those in a right way where you can measure them and impact different factors as time goes on that's a hard thing to do in an optimum environment and this is the other thing that I'll say is I mean who among us hasn't said geez why hasn't that happened yet about every other area of your life right everything is slow everything is bogged down and now we've got a a very dynamic and, and frightening situation in Eastern Europe that could go in a whole different set of directions are going to impact things economically. And so I guess so that closing thought on New Jersey and why, you know, don't give up all hope yet, all, all you who enter here, right, where I think that this is, for some of us, a really key issue. And it's an issue that drives our votes and it, and it drives our, our focus within the industry. But for most people and nearly all politicians – this is not a top, the number one issue for them. There are a lot of other priorities. And so, yeah. so that drags without,
1: it without a doubt, look, look, we all who work in this space drink the Kool-Aid that this is the most important industry that there is. It's not, right? And, and at some point, we'll talk about the, the myth of the cannabis voter. We're not going to do that today. But Mike, I think one of the things that Matt said is that the social equity component of this seems to be the stumbling block um, in New Jersey. Is this something that you're, you know, when you're talking with your clients who are working in different states, is this there uh, an issue that they are really struggling with? Like, talk, can you are you comfortable talking about this stuff, or is this stuff that's yeah, like, yeah, I
4: can, uh, I can talk a little bit about this. So, for one thing, the delay in New Jersey, um, it may be due in part to some social equity um, uh, factors, but. The, the big delay, as I've understood it, is more around the um, certification of the existing medical operators to be able to satisfy the current medical market. That was a, I believe it's a, a statutory um, stipulation that they have to meet this um, barrier or meet this benchmark rather before they can convert to adult use or begin their adult use sales. And I think that that's what Governor Murphy recently announced was that, I don't know if he directly said this, but I think the implication was that the medical operators now have uh, sufficient medical supply. Um, you know, we've seen in some states that there, you know, may not be an adequate supply for both uh, medical and adult use right off the bat, or that patients will, you know, um, th- they will be set back to some extent. They'll either have fewer products, uh, maybe the prices increase for their products. In some places, we've seen, you know, medical almost completely disappear, like in Washington state. Um, So a lot of states, after seeing what happened in Washington, have been really making sure that medical stays in place. Now, New Jersey does have a lot of uh, social equity components in its uh, law, and I think from – from the perspective of social equity, uh, applicants. And it's not, they've, I believe three different categories in New Jersey. There's a social equity one, there's an impact zone, and then there's a third category that I, I forget that it's escaping my head and they have different levels of prioritization when it gets to the actual adult use licensing. And I believe New Jersey started that for, uh, the cultivation centers, it's at least open, the, the application period. Doesn't seem like they've made any decisions on that. Um, I tend to agree a little bit with uh, Matt in that, you know, it, it's. I think patients and consumers are right to be upset that it's been a year and there aren't sales yet. No, no, no. But in it's another been size, five years,
1: it's been five years. Right. Let's be let's be honest. It, it You know, it's not a year. Like, it's the same—and we're going to talk about at the federal level as well later, but but this is something that, that Phil Murphy ran on. It's not like this was, like, uh, an issue that he didn't make core to his campaign. He said, first hundred days, I'm getting this done. We're now at, like, a thousand-plus days, like 1,300 days. So
4: I call bullshit on him, not on you. Well, so— Something the, the Murphy that I believe began under the Murphy administration, and, and I'm not from New Jersey, so I'm, I may be uh, inaccurate in a little bit of this. But when I, I was I worked on a New Jersey application back in 2018 because the state was, I think, rightly predicting that they were going to be moving towards adult use, passing an adult use law, and were wisely trying to expand the um, existing medical, program to try to ramp up capacity for a quick conversion and they were um trying to do some social equity elements then as well which is pretty rare in a medical program um and then the problem was they botched the application review process uh somehow i forget exactly what the 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 issue was but basically lawsuits happened it got dragged out and nothing really came of that. So we're dealing with the fallout of that while trying to uh, implement this adult use uh, uh, law from 2020 and 2021, the, the voter initiative and then the uh, legislative one. Um, you know, I, I, I think your frustration is well founded and um, that voice needs to be. Uh, shouted, because that's the only way that this uh, thing actually starts to begin to move. But I also sort of see it from Matt's perspective as well. You know, this is, you know, we only get one chance to convert from prohibition to uh, adult use sales. That conversion only happens one time. Hopefully it only happens one time. And getting it right is important. We've seen in states where social equity hasn't been uh, front and center in those conversations, that it's just you know the MSOs that end up dominating, um, and so you know I think there's going to be some uh, hiccups along the way that um, patients, consumers, business owners, rightfully should be frustrated with and should be voicing those frustrations, uh, but there's are somewhat inevitable, and I think while things are definitely not happening smoothly in new jersey i think they are trending in the right direction i think a couple years from now we're going to look back and say new jersey had some road bumps that they probably could have avoided but they may be the first state that have gotten this right i think the whole tri-state region is doing some innovative things that um haven't been done before
1: i I, i'm gonna i'm gonna i want to hear sarita you've been sitting patiently waiting to jump in here why don't you jump in and 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 add in you know, I, I've
3: been in this space for a while, so I'm just used to this taking time. Um, so I definitely agree with Matthew, like to regulate this takes a lot of time. There are a lot of people, um, and entities and advocates that are just involved with this and all of their voices are screaming to be heard. And, you know, you, you know, a house divided just cannot stand. So I'm not surprised that this is taking as long as it has taken. i did think that New Jersey was going to um, be adult use first, but you know, again, being in this space for a while now, I'm just not surprised. I think Matthew also brought up some great questions though, you know, being on the other side of it and not, you know, in, in, in DC, you know, what are the questions that we could be asking ourselves so that we can actively support um, these You know, these states, as they do come on board, you know, as business owners, as founders, um, you know, as people on other sides of this, you know, how can we help support social equity and social justice? Because, yeah, if any of these states had gotten it right, then it would be easier to replicate. Unfortunately, they haven't. Um, You know, we've seen a lot of social equity um, ideas come up, but then they're kind of half-assed. There's no funding. So, you know, well, then what happens then? Um, Or, you know, you get a license and you're so worn out after five years of trying to get the license that, you know, I I mean, you don't even want it anymore. So, you know, there's so much that has to be looked at. I think another issue is politicians saying they're going to do stuff in the first hundred days. Like, cut it out. You're not going to do it. I mean, you know, Kamala, I'm going to do this. Everybody's going to do this. Like, no, you're not. You're just like everyone else. The first 90 days on your job, you were trying to figure it out. And that's okay. You know, stop making these promises. But what are other things that can be done? You know, how are states ensuring that information is getting to the people, to the patients, just in terms of like, this is how things are happening. Like, you know, I know my grandmama is not going on the internet, even though she has an iPad, she has all the bells and whistles, but like, does she really get on that? No, you know, so- She's looking
1: at TikTok, let's be honest.
3: She's not looking at TikTok, she's looking at Bravo, every housewife show, that is what she's looking at. But she's coming to me and going, you know, you know, I, I want to learn more about this. Um, You know, my girlfriend has CBD, but she has someone across the street from her that grows weed here in Maryland. Not supposed to be doing it, but she's doing it. So that's how she's getting her product. And, you know, this is also why we have a healthy, thriving legacy market still. You know, people are going to get access, you know, when there was no adult use, when there was no medical program, I was still getting weed. So let's be honest, people are still going to get access, but, you know, regulation takes time um it just takes time i know that's not what you before, wanted to hear before this, we move does. on <laughs> you know, i have no
1: i have no agenda look my 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 opinion is honestly it's two things one there are now 18 19 states other than new jersey who have an adult use market out there and None of them have gotten it right. They couldn't have looked at Illinois. They couldn't have looked at Massachusetts. They couldn't have looked at uh, Washington, which is not right. But there are other states out there that they could have looked at and said, okay, I'll take a little bit from Colorado. I'll take a little bit from Oregon. I'll take a little bit from Illinois, and I'll put it together, and I have my own pizza. But they haven't done that, and it's about fucking time that they do. Like, it's enough time. Like, the the medical market in New Jersey is restrictive. It's not – horribly restricted, like it used to be under chris christie but it's still restrictive and there are still people significantly less but getting arrested or don't have access to to the to legal cannabis right this is stupid fix it as you build it but build it turn the damn thing on already this is stupid the state is losing tens of millions of dollars in taxes They are wasting money on the criminal justice system that doesn't need to be wasted. Don't lose the good for the perfect. You know, the reality is this is behavior that is almost like an addict. Addicts tend to be perfectionists, and that stops them and freezes them from doing anything because they can't get it exactly right. It doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be. So, Matt, you get the last word on this subject, and then we'll go to a break.
2: Cool. So, in addition to the other consequences you've mentioned, what you're starting to see in New Jersey and New York is, again, going back to the probably the worst possible scenario. And I'm here. I'm here. I'm supporting supporting your point on it, which is they're just giving it away. Like you can go into these stores, many of them, or there's farmers markets and bazaars in New York where it's just out there and accessible and giving it away. That seems to me like you are now outside the regulatory structure and something's going bad is going to happen with that. Mistakes happen and it's going to be on the front page of the paper. And, you, you know, this is where the concerns that you've got when you're in this in-between period, it's a lot of risk and people are going to make some poor decisions in there that are going to have negative consequences for everybody.
1: I feel so much like the McLaughlin group. If if any of you guys are old enough to remember that show, it's like, well, now, now we're gonna go to Eleanor Clift. You're wrong. Wrong! <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, but we are gonna take a pause. And before we get into our next segment, let's cut to Shay with a very important word from our sponsors.
0: This week we're glad to have the support of our friends over at The Atlantic Farms of Portland, Maine, which is known around town for their unique medical marijuana dispensary slash gas station where you can fuel up on all the things you need to get down life's road. Pop over to theatlanticfarms.com today to browse their extensive menu of top-notch main marijuana products, all available at hugely affordable prices. That's theatlanticfarms.com. If you do, stop in, tell them I said hello.
1: Now it's on to our next segment, which I call, I Blame Obama. My wife and I have a running joke that whenever anything good or bad happens in the world, we take a page out of the RNC playbook and we blame Barack Obama. When gas was $4 a gallon, well, that was Obama's fault. And when it dropped down to just over a dollar, I blame Obama. The reality is uh, we are sitting with a federal prohibition of cannabis – 14 years after he was elected. And sure, we have seen the House of Representatives vote time and again on legislation to decriminalize, legalize, regulate, but we can't get a goddamn bill through the Senate. And we are facing some serious headwinds in the economy due to inflation, and I can't believe I have to say this, but the Russian invasion of Ukraine. We're on a cannabis show and we're talking about Russia. And here we're looking at $5 gas, a gallon gas. I blame Trump for that, by the way. Now, D.C. claims to be all about jobs and good jobs, right? Well, the U.S., according to a story in the New York Post, the U.S. cannabis industry added more than 100,000 jobs last year, and the economic lift will only continue if states like New York get recreational programs off the ground. Americans spent nearly $25 billion dollars on legal cannabis products in 2021 as the budding industry expanded by about 33%, adding more than 107,000 jobs, according to Leafly and Whitney Economics. Some 428,000 Americans, which is more than 10 times the amount of people who work in the coal industry, work in either cultivation or retail in the industry itself. Revenue and jobs could soon quadruple if cannabis is legalized federally and more adult use programs get off the ground from coast to coast. Yet, we still face intransigence at the federal level. Okay, you know, what the hell? And to to quote my favorite Mets manager, Casey Stengel, can't anyone here play this game? Mike, you're a DC guy. What the
4: hell is going on? Um. So just one, I guess, clarification from the uh, the intro there is that there's only been one vote uh, on a federal uh, bill to end uh, criminalization and to implement a regulatory scheme. That would be uh, when the Moore Act was voted uh, by the House back in December 2020 and it passed. Um, but that's been, so far been the only bill that's ever made it to a vote for uh, that would repeal criminalization and, and bring in. A, now, we, we've had the banking votes uh, several times in the House. That's that's passed many times. Appropriations votes that would, in essence, uh, end the DOJ's ability to prosecute those have come up. But, you know, Casey Stengel never had to win the game by uh, 10 runs uh, to, to put a W uh, in the books uh, and unfortunately, that's what you have to do in the Senate. Actually, it's 20 runs. You have to win 60-40, uh, which is pretty ridiculous. And it's, you know, I mean, look around us. You know, it's, I know we, we talked in the last segment that marijuana is not the only issue in the world. Uh, that applies in the U.S. Senate. And a lot of other things aren't getting passed there. Voting rights aren't getting passed. You know, uh, li- only limited infrastructure is passed. Uh, you know, just about anything else you can think of has been stalled. Other than judicial nominees, that's basically been stalled in the Senate. So we have a broken institution that we're we're dealing with. And, you know, there's a, you know, how do we get past the the, the filibuster issue? That's, you know, that's really the million dollar question in federal marijuana reform is how do you get past, this this scenario, there's must pass legislation, things like the NDAA, where uh, Ed Perlmutter was hoping to get the uh, Safe Banking Act attached to. Um, that is a possible strategy that could potentially work in some scenarios, but obviously it didn't work here. I know there was some talk, you know, about you know letting the you know perfect be the enemy of the good, but you know I, I think in some ways that's just you know putting all the blame on progressives without you know having uh, those in the middle. Uh, or on the other side, uh, Republicans uh, taking any of the blame, because you need to get to 60 somehow. If you're not making the bill good enough to get the most progressive Democrats, you're not doing everything you can do to get to 60. Uh, so it's it's sort of, you know, it's a very difficult situation. I think Senator Schumer has been doing a pretty good job, relatively speaking, of trying to build this issue up in the Senate. Um, he's been the most enthusiastic uh, congressional leader we've ever seen on this issue, the most engaged. Uh, so I think in the long term, that spells some pretty good uh, prospects for us. But in the short term, it's, you know, again, how do you get to 60? Sarita, do you have any hope?
3: Um, in this Senate, You know, a look—not much, but I mean, I don't want to blame Obama. Also, it is Black History Month. We are not going to blame Obama for this foolishness, but we can blame, like you know, the Senate as a whole. I mean, um, I really like the language that uh, Mike used, like building this issue up. You know, there are, there has to be a lot more education uh, again, and I think we have to continue to talk about it. Um, And you know like you said, we need those progressive voices in the Senate. So I think it's just even a bigger issue. I think it's a bigger issue of, um, you know, who are these voices? Where are these voices? You know, we might need to bring in some new voices, some radical voices. You know, I'm thinking of Jesus turning the table with the tax collectors. Like, we just need something radical to happen to really help not only this issue, but again, voting right issues. There's so many other issues that are just not a top concern, you know, for 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 whatever reason. So, you know, also it's too much like right to, to just sign it and make it a law. I think one thing I've learned from being in this space is like, Jesus, this is like how a bill becomes a law. It feels like schoolhouse rock all over again. Um, and you know, that, that has also brought a lot of people like me out and having to learn more about what's happening politically. So I think, you know, again, if, you know, to what Mike said, continuing to build up these issues in the Senate will help. And we have to continue to support those voices that are doing that, um, honestly, on both sides, you know, on all sides.
1: Matt, do you have any hope?
2: <laughs> oh, I've I've lots of hope. Um, and I'm gonna give you the ultimate contrarian opinion on uh, on American um government and politics right now. I think it's working kind of like it was designed to work, right? And so um, that's not the way we want it to work right now, uh, if we're on sort of this side of, of this issue. But what the system was designed to do when there is isn't overwhelming agreement on something, it's, it's a system that's designed to slow things down and force people to talk about things. It's not a system that is built for quick movement, right? It was built in opposition to the ultimate system of that, which was a monarchy. And so... I think there. This is this is all functioning very much the way it's kind of supposed to. As frustrating like, but as but it, it is, where's a disagreement
1: people- on cannabis policy? Because you know, every every poll says you know everybody, like sixty plus percent of Americans, like say, yeah, I want it. So you know, it's not. I, I hear what you're saying, and I understand that the Senate is supposed to be the cooling saucer of of legislation, and like, yeah, I just so. I just so I, I honestly, 60 per-
0: honestly.
2: Go ahead. Yeah. So, so sixty percent of the American public saying like I'm okay with this is not sixty percent of the American public saying elected officials you must vote for this. Very different. And those sixty percent of those folks have other priorities. And in almost every case, their priorities are above <laughs> cannabis. So the elected officials are, are listening to those folks. And they've got other priorities in, in, in people's lives. So it's not as if 100% of the people said, yes, we want this and we want it in this format. They've said we want it, but there's a lot of gray space to fill in the details of, of what does that exactly look like. And that's where, that's where it runs into problems. Um, so, so the I reason do, why I, I am i
1: opti- I'm sorry, I was just going to say the reason I named this segment I Blame Obama, and look, I voted for him twice. I would vote for him two more times if I could— Right. I mean, he was arguably the best president of my lifetime and I'm not being facetious. I mean, the dude was handed a burning bag of poo when he got into the White House and calmed down the economy, kept the world safe. Like he was a a genius and a brilliant president. He was also a a well-known person who smoked pot. He wasn't the kind of person who said, I tried it. He like I smoked pot. I I smoked pot a lot. He had the position and the opportunity to say from a moral perspective, this is wrong. We must change it. And he didn't. Now, he had a burning bag of poo that he had to deal with. I understand that. But he missed that that imperative. And Kamala also has that opportunity. She was the most, even more than Cory Booker, positive pro-cannabis candidate who was running for president and has just walked away from the issue. And I really feel like the Democrats, and you guys can correct me if, if I'm wrong, are going to lose this to the Republicans. That the Mace bill may not be perfect, but it's a hell of a lot better than anything out there. And you know, maybe at some point the Democrats go, F it. I'm not gonna, I can't do this. Let me just back the Republican bill because it's, it'll get something done. I, I'm, I, I'm most probably in wrong. I live my life wrong. But I really feel like the Democrats are going to lose this issue. Tell, now tell me I'm wrong. Well—
4: Uh, A lot of people like to say that this MACE bill is, you know, uh, are really, I think, projecting that it's it's the one that can win because it's a comprehensive bill that comes from a Republican. It has four co-sponsors right now. It's been out for several months. It's not picking up momentum even within its own party. Um, I think there's a lot to look in that bill to draw some ideas from. I think it's raised the floor on what uh, marijuana policy from a Republican should look like. But this this notion that the Mace bill is somehow politically stronger than the Moore Act or CAOA, which hasn't formally been introduced yet, just doesn't hold water. There's no co-sponsorship for the States Rights Act, or the States Reform Act, rather. Uh, I don't want to, I'm not trying to denigrate Nancy Mace's support on this issue. I welcome it. I think, you know, we need more voices like that. I mean, she's, she's a Republican from a state that hasn't even passed medical yet, and she's you know, one of the strongest voices, along with Dave Joyce and Don Young uh, for Republicans on this issue. Um, but, the, you know, the Republicans, it's, it's not like, you know, a bunch of you know, st- half the Republicans still voted against the Safe Banking Act. Mitch McConnell on the floor of the Senate very recently spoke out against the Safe Banking Act. So, you know, the core of the Republican Party is still prohibitionist. Um, it's probably more 50 50 than it's ever been before. Um, but it's, it's still a prohibitionist party. Um, the Democrats, you know, I don't think they're going to abandon this issue. Uh, I think they're going to keep moving on it, but I think we're going to, you know, it's going to be a lot of the same of what we've seen where, you know, you just can't get something passed in the Senate. And, you know, I, I don't expect, uh, the general public to be satisfied with that in any way um but that's just sort of the political reality uh you know i i don't have i, I don't pers- um project the the positive um perspective on this that that matt said you know this is sort of how the, how, how the senate was designed to work i think that this is you know a pretty huge flaw in in the senate the senate's very deliberate and i think that that's great but the the sixty Getting to sixty is needs reform all around, and you only need the sixty
2: to break a filibuster, yeah. though, right? Like, I mean, they only need fifty-one in this particular
4: case, right? Or am I? Uh, no, no. I mean, you're gonna need to get to sixty to get it to get cloture, to get to the floor. Um, only if yeah. only if the only if people oppose it. So uh, oh, and I mean, they, they will. They don't have I mean, 50, like,
2: they don't have fifty-one votes.
4: Yeah. You know, Tom Cotton or, you know, Ted Cruz, you're going to get, you know, at least one Republican who's going to to force it uh, that way. But, you know, just look at an issue like background checks on gun control. Ninety percent support for years and years. Every time there's a mass shooting, it comes back up and we still can't pass that. So for an issue as as, you know, Matt's been implying that, you know, marijuana's got mile wide but inch deep support, which I tend to agree with. Um, You know, it's we're going to see a lot of these frustrations continue.
3: What could be some possible solutions? Because the other thing is how, you know, we have to fire people. We got to get folks out of office who are just not doing their due deals. Like what, what is going to really have to change, especially if this system is going to continue other than that, people are going to continue to be sick and tired of being sick and tired. Um, and I think that's where, you know, to some degree, all of us are with respect to certain aspects of seeing this industry be what we even got into it for. Um, and so it's frustrating.
1: All right. That's a, that's actually a, a really good place to pause, talking about being sick and tired or sick and tired, because it leads well into our next segment. But before we get there, Shay, here's your chance to make some money with a word from our sponsors.
0: We're very thankful to have the support of our friends over at Hedro Analysis. If your legal marijuana company needs location-specific data-centered projections to help you plan and grow your business, look no further than Hedro Analysis. They have all kinds of fancy computer models backed up by smart blocks of relevant data to help you work out things like where the best place to build your dispensary would be. Or maybe you need help citing a distribution network to ensure maximum profitability for a delivery service. Whatever your location-based strategic problems are, it's likely that Hedgerow Analysis can help you solve them. Pop over to HedgerowAnalysis.com to learn more about the company's capabilities and to get in touch. That's HedgerowAnalysis.com.
1: And for segment three, I'm calling this, what happened to medical marijuana? You know, this industry was founded on the thesis of giving people who were sick and suffering access to medicine they needed to treat what ails them. California's Prop 215 was passed in 1996. And not long after that, the first kind of semi-legit medical dispensaries opened. And now there was stuff before that, but realistically after 1996 is when the California medical market developed. And there was a belief that a massive amount of money would pour into research to see what cannabis and its component cannabinoids could effectively treat. And to date, 26 years later, we have one medical product on the market, Epidiolex, which is kind of marijuana-based. I mean, it's more hemp, but, you know, whatever. Um, And we have dozens of states that now have medical programs and dozens and dozens of multi-state operators who were founded as quote-unquote medical companies but have since pivoted to becoming basically consumer packaged goods companies. Now, I've always believed in adult use and knew that the MSOs, any MSO who was being honest, would eventually pivot to being a consumer packaged goods company to the detriment of patients. But, well, honestly, right now this all feels a little bit unethical. So have we forgotten about patients and what is left to do that we can help people who need cannabinoids as medicines. Now I'm not reading you any trusted sources or quoting anybody who's smarter than me. There's lots of them on both sides of trusted sources and people who are smarter than me. It's just me looking at this industry that I've been involved with for eight years and going, this is not what was supposed to happen. We were supposed to have a robust consumer packaged goods, adult use market, and a robust medical market. What happened to the medical market? Guys, help me out here. Am I wrong? Did we forget about the reason why this industry was founded? Matt, you want to jump in?
2: I, I think in many cases, yeah, that, that has happened, um, unfortunately. Um, I think that's very much part of the, the, the roots of the industry and what gave it broader appeal. Um, and, uh, you know, I think think very similarly from an environmental per perspective and, and, and packaging. This is this is a, con, a consumer base for whom those issues are very important. And yet the amount of packaging that's out there right now, I'm putting it in a brown paper bag, <laughs> you know, and, and it, obviously with the proper seals and everything like that. But it's very much a focus on the party lifestyle and, and they've missed something. And what they've missed is something that the rest of the economy is adapting. Every other company out there has environmental programs and mental health programs and things of that nature, and the industry is kind of like, hey, it's a party. Um, Not everybody, of course, and obviously there's a lane for that, and there are people that are going to use it in that fashion, but the medical component to it, and here's where I'm hopeful on it um, and where I hope it kind of comes back is we're starting to learn more um, and as we learn more about how these components impact our bodies, we can get away from this. This is indica and this is sativa. Plants that have been crossbred for hundreds of years now. That's not really a great designation, but this is how we're teaching people to understand it and hopefully get to that next level where where it can actually be something that instead of sort of, you know, generalized advice for generalized conditions, you have specific component compounds at specific levels that match up with people's bodies and their system. And that's how we're designed, right? That's why everybody um, has, you know, an affinity for. it. And so that's my hope as you get, whether it's the NFL study about neuroplasticity and the ability to withstand concussions or other things that we'll begin to find out these components of why do we like it? Why do we gravitate towards it? What does it do for our bodies that's good? And where do we need to watch out? Because that's the other component to this, is something that started as a, as, as a healthy option. Um, when you're talking about 80 90% concentrates, we don't all sit around and drink grain alcohol straight you know, every day. You know, There's a time for that, and there are medical purposes in particular you know, where that's relevant. But I, I'm hopeful on that. And actually, in talking to some folks in, in the New York, New York market and um, the Manhattan market that are, that are sort of plugged into that situation. They're optimistic about that. They think there will be a rebirth for medical-specific folks um, to be able to, to to reignite this. Part of it is unavoidable, right? I mean, the, the, the market forces are going to push the sales into it, and that medical line can get blurred. But I'm hopeful that that will be something that there'll be real, more real tangible data that we can all benefit from.
1: Serita, you were talking about your grandmother um, and her use as medical. You know, uh, how do we help her? You know, by speaking to her and speaking to other people like her, I think, you know, one thing
3: that has definitely happened, I think in the push to normalize this, we focused a lot on the lifestyle um, but we have definitely overlooked people who are really a- looking to access cannabis for specific needs, for very specific ailments. Um, and I think that we've definitely done a disservice to those communities. There are definitely organizations who are still trying to, you know, make those voices be heard, indigenous organizations, you know, um, minority organizations, et cetera. But, you know, it has to, I think, be put on a bigger scale. And I think overall, like, there's just a lack of ethics. There's a lack of empathy. For for people who are looking to cannabis just for medical reasons. And I think um, as people in this space, we really should get back to that. When you talk about like 1996 and, and Prop 215 being passed, I think about those communities and the reasons why they were like even going to cannabis in the first place. You know, people who were suffering from cancer, people who were suffering from AIDS. And one thing that was constant was like, the lack of dignity and respect in going to a regular hospital because they had certain conditions. So then they would feel so much safer in these environments where they could get cannabis and they were surrounded by like-minded communities in these safe spaces. Where are those safe spaces? I mean, yeah, I can get weed here in Maryland, but like I live in a smoke-free, you know, community. Where am I supposed to go? Like, where is my community? You know, we're not really thinking, I think, holistically about that, um, you know, and I get it. You know, these MSOs, they, they have to think about their profits. But, Jesus, it would be nice to to have somebody that served as, you know, a chief spiritual officer to just go, oh, you know, hold up. Can we just maybe have a conversation? And, you know, you know, when you look at these future works, um, you know, I would like to see more cannabis companies in these conversations. We're an essential service, but how are we really serving these communities, um, I think there's just a lack of empathy in the space, and it would be great to get back to that.
1: I love the the lack of empathy. I also think there's an unbelievable lack of research, right? I mean, you, we KCsa work in the a lot in the cannabis space. We work in fintech and all these other industries as well, but a tremendous amount in the psychedelic space, and there is literally billions of dollars being poured into research on using um, Schedule One compounds same schedule as cannabis, to treat different indications. And to my knowledge, there is literally only one program being done right now, which is being done by MAPS, researching the use of cannabis to treat PTSD. And MAPS stands for the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies. Mike, you're, you're a DC guy, um, and I'm going to throw a curveball at you because this was not what I asked, told you I was going to ask you. But how come it seems like psychedelics are, are being researched Um uh more along the lines of FDA study content than cannabis. Cannabis is generating billions of dollars of revenue right now from hundreds of companies, but none of them are trying to do FDA st- or seemingly none of them are trying to do FDA studies, whereas lots of these tiny microcap public biotechs are looking into, Psilocybin, LSD, MDMA, every compound that says that the government says we can't use. Why, why is this not happening with, with cannabis?
4: So I think there's a couple of reasons. Um, first is cannabis is a botanical multi compound substance, which for FDA's rules and uh, regulations, its um, review system, it is not designed for multi-compound botanical substances. There's a specific botanical substance review process, but the only things that have gone through that for approval have been single compound substances. So because marijuana has THC, CBD, all the other uh, so-called minor cannabinoids, it makes it really difficult to fit it's, you know, round peg in the square uh, hole of the FDA. So that's one issue. Two, there's been, and this is less of an issue now, but for decades we had the old Mississippi uh, conundrum where you had one source of cannabis for clinical research. That's slowly uh, becoming a thing of the past, but it's, it, we're not there yet. Um, and we're still the research supply that will be coming online isn't exactly what's being produced in the States. Uh, so even then when this new research, uh, supply for clinical studies becomes available, it's not going to like mimic what consumers are really using, what patients are really using. So we're still going to have uh, difficulties there. And then, um, you know, just sort of jumping back to, you know, the, the, the original thesis of this segment, you know, I don't know if medical is being forgotten. It is in some ways. It's being. It's certainly in adult use states. It's lost in the conversation, but we have 18 adult use states and we have 38 medical states. Mississippi just passed a medical law. Uh, South Carolina appears to be finally getting there. So we have really more than double the jurisdictions of adult use that are medical that are medical. Um, so it's still a pretty pervasive uh, issue. But, yeah, the, the federal research thing is um, uh, really challenging. There's the paradox that marijuana is the most studied substance in, in human history, but we have very, very limited clinical research uh, for the purposes of the FDA. Uh, so, you know, there, there's more studies on marijuana than there have been done on aspirin. Um, so it, there's, there's this paradox that exists, uh, and it's ridiculous. But Schedule One status, the uh, old Mississippi research supply marijuana being a multi-compound substance, there's all these added uh, uh, factors there that make it even more challenging uh, than just you know simply being illegal federally. Well, this has been an awesome conversation, um,
1: and I sit in my chair of wrong proudly um and grateful for each of you for sharing time um shay this gives you time for one more break my friend All right, welcome back to Finishing Moves. Finishing Moves. This is like the point in the, 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 the show where our regulars can talk about anything they want, cannabis-related anything. So, Sarita, you get the first last word. Okay, so my finishing move going
3: into March is to work more with my hands. So I have signed up for a pottery making class. I'm very excited to start that. It'll be here in DC. So You're
1: going to go You're all gonna... ghost on us. I love that. I, uh, ju- I just might, Lewis. <laughs> I think that's fa- that's fabulous, Michael. Bring it.
4: Yeah, so I want to uh, give a plug to my former employer, Americans for Safe Access. Uh, They just came out with their 2021, uh, or uh, rather 2022, I guess it's a review of 2021, their State of the States report. It's a comprehensive review of uh, all the state medical programs. Uh, They grade each of them under a multi-issue rubric. And, uh, you know, spoiler alert, none of them got good grades, uh, you know, it, I think it's pretty fair to say that, you know, medical programs are not really meeting the needs of patients, even in the best of circumstances right now. Uh, Americans for safe access is a great organization, uh, for, uh, folks who want to work on this issue. And that report is a, uh, a, a way to get caught up on everything that's going on in each of the States, uh, in the past year. And where can people find that? Uh, slash SOS. Awesome. And Matt, you get the penultimate finishing move.
2: Well, then I'll, I'll stick with kind of one of the overarching uh, themes of this, which is how does this whole thing move forward, right? There was all this energy and like, where are we going from here? And, um, you know, it's, it's a very real logjam we've got in this country in a lot of regards, but t- particularly in this place. And so um, what I would look to is where does this benefit Republicans. And there's a lot of opportunities there. You're talking about agriculture. You're talking about jobs. You're talking about reducing taxes. You're talking about reducing regulations. These are all fundamental Republican principles to support entrepreneurs that want to improve their community. Those, th- those are all obvious things. And that connection needs to get made from from both sides. You know, business and government right now, it needs to be a two-way street sort of having those, those conversations. And for me, I'm a 10th Amendment guy. I look to the states. The answer is going to come from the states. It started in the states and even after federal legalization the states are going to be the regulators okay I see a very unlikely scenario where the feds continue to regulate that and I would be strongly opposed to that because Michael like you I don't really think much works in DC the way it's supposed to under any given circumstances I like government closer to people and so I think the three states that I would look at in that regard to see how well um, Republicans are, are, are looking to engage in this would be Virginia where they are forced to act uh, in order to to move this forward somewhere. Pennsylvania, which is an interesting dynamic that there's a lot of folks in, in, in our client base and other ones that are looking at Pennsylvania thinking it's going to move forward, which with a liberal Democratic governor and very strong Republican legislature, intuition doesn't tell you that's how it's going to work out, but there seems to be a lot of energy there. How are they working together? And the last one is... Back to your point on Mississippi, you know, down in Mississippi, how is Governor Reeves going to handle this situation that he didn't initiate, he didn't want, it came through, through ballot initiatives, the courts fought it all out, but they're going to have to put something in place, and so they've got the ability to define this in a way that um, keeps it out of schools, keeps it in a spot where the, the, the dangerous and, and uh, really bad parts about the illegal market uh, are cleaned up in a way that's appropriate, and, and, and everybody has better, safer alternatives. And so that's where I think you're going to see sort of how long this whole path takes so that you can get those contributors um, with, with the longtime advocates, because you just need more. The numbers aren't there yet, um, and there's a path to it. Uh, it won't happen quickly, though, unfortunately.
1: Thank you. And I'm going to take a finishing move for myself Um, and for mine, it's about baseball and to paraphrase one of my favorite movies, field of dreams, people won't come Rob, the one constant through all of the years, Rob has been baseball American. America has rolled on like an army of steamrollers. It has been erased like a blackboard rebuilt and erased again, but baseball has marked the time this field, this game. It's part of our past. Rob, it reminds all of us about once what was good and can be again. But if your owners and your players can't come to an agreement on how to split billions of dollars between you and the season is delayed, shortened, and ruined, people won't come, Rob. They will find other things to do. They'll smoke pot. They'll watch other sports. They'll do anything but go and support you. And they will forget about this game that we all love. So settle this damn thing already. Thank you. As you can tell, I'm an angry Mets fan because we freaking signed Max Scherzer and we're not going to have a season. So with that, thank you to our guests, Sarita, Matt, And Michael, you guys were awesome. You brought it and like, bang, that was so much fun. Uh, Thanks to Shay and the team for their production work that makes us all sound so good. Thank you to all of our sponsors for the generosity in keeping this show on the air and the lights running. Do lights run? I don't know. Um, And thanks to Overclock Remix for the tunes they provide to us. And don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, or anywhere else that you cannabis learners can find us. And that, that's one take, Shay. One take. One take, Shay. One
0: take.